I learned I was pregnant on a Tuesday, some months into my first year of medical school. I was hours away from home, spending the week in a family medicine practice, doing physical exams, and pretending, for all intents and purposes, to be a real doctor. It felt odd to examine everyone and make recommendations for their health when I couldn't pinpoint my own inconsistencies. For weeks, I felt invariably wrong in a way I could not express. The cramps, the pain from standing for hours, the ten days of bleeding that seemed like it would never come to an end. I would see blood swirling in the toilet, pouring out of my body, and be filled with worry. I grew up in a culture, like so many cultures, where women are not empowered to understand their gynecologic health. Even though I was a medical student, I wasn't sure what to do. In the emergency room of the hospital, I asked gingerly for the OBGYN on call. Someone asked me how far along I was. I'm not, I said. I didn't feel it. I was not along. They drew my blood, swirled it in a small machine, separated it, quantified it, and came back with some numerical reply. I heard what I had known and felt in the pit of my stomach, what had been seeding inside me for weeks. The bleeding was now on its 14th day and might continue well into the next two weeks. The tissue was passing in clots, the blood in pools, and then it would be over and I would not be pregnant anymore. A small part of me didn't want the bleeding to stop, to peter out as my body recovered, returning to itself. Bleeding meant that it had happened, was happening in this very moment, and I could not escape it. A week later, I was back in anatomy lab. I had been visiting my doctor every other day to measure my HCG levels. They had stopped dropping. Despite the bleeding, I was not having a miscarriage, my doctor explained. My uterine tube had ruptured. I had been internally bleeding for a week, and surgery was imminent. I had an anatomy exam on Monday. I asked to put off the surgery until then. My doctor shook her head at me and explained gently, If I let you go home today, you might die. In the hospital, I called my family pre-op. They were panicked, to say the least, but I felt strangely content. As I went to sleep, eyelids drooping from the anesthesia, I felt certain this was the end. I would never be a doctor, and that was somehow fine. When the surgery was over, I asked if I had in fact died. The nurses thought it was funny, but I was serious. I didn't know. What does the afterlife look like? I only had my pharaonic ancestors' descriptions for reference, but maybe they were wrong, and the afterlife is just a hospital, or wherever you left off. All I knew was that I'd never had surgery before, and that this was the most terrifying, draining day of my life. My heart would swell that night in a way I could not control or even understand. The mind goes mysterious places, roaming the corners of our imagination, developing its own sense of what is meant for us before our bodies have time to breach the distance. There's a beautiful moment in Abraham Vergesi's Cutting for Stone, where Shiva, one of the two brothers trained as surgeons in such different waves, helps his adoptive mother, an OBGYN, repair a woman's genitourinary system in his Ethiopian village for the first time. The woman is really just a girl, 
not much older than Shiba, who has suffered some serious obstetric trauma. For years, she's leaked urine, soaking her clothes and becoming an outcast in her community. Shiva is attentive to her with a profound awareness of the shame she feels about her womanhood. That day, I related to that shame vividly. I ended up leaving medical school for the rest of that year. I realized how much I wanted to be for other women what my doctor had been for me. I started teaching refugee women about contraception and other women's health topics of interest to them. I invested my time in gynecologic operations. I remembered the swirling emotions I felt as a patient before my surgery and after it. I learned from my patients the way to feel whole again, to recognize the body's limitations, and how to keep your dignity. Even now, I think often of Vergesi's description of Shiva's compassion. Its significance is his motivation for developing his surgical abilities. Before the symphony of technical movements, incisions, sutures, knots, come the patient. One day, I will operate alone and remember being in her shoes. The month of feeling unwell, unexplainable beyond knowing the rhythm of my own body. The hospital, sterile and clean with its warm physicians. The practice where I was rehearsing being a doctor. In this space, the memory is a glimpse into the future, where I am a doctor caring for someone else with my own two hands, my fastidiousness, another vessel for my empathy. Thank you to MassMouth and the Association of Women Surgeons for the opportunity to tell my story. My name is Mariam Goma. I'm a fourth-year medical student at Wake Forest University.